1: Welcome one and all to another edition of The Real Guys I am Noah Ballard, one of the titular guys And uh, Chance, Solom Pfeiffer, uh, are you with us?
0: Hey there, price check on I'll uh, Be Real Guys podcast
1: Yeah, how was that? Did I do alright? Because I normally don't do the, uh, I was
0: nervous You did fine I didn't detect a quiver in your voice. No, oh, there,
1: there will be no quivering from uh, from <laughs> Brooklyn, from our Brooklyn, New York location. We have linked mm-hmm. up via satellite. Yes. To discuss um, three movies about just sort of general sad commerce.
0: Sad in, commerce. Yeah. In, in
1: the form of movies primarily set in a uh, big box store.
0: Yes, when you make everything available in one location, the only thing uh, left unavailable is the ability to connect with human beings. Should we get into these movies? I would love to. So, gang, we're joined by uh, an expert guest on this episode of the podcast. We needed someone who could talk to us about the. Capitalist dystopia that is uh, Big box Superstores and we enlisted the help Of an old friend and we can just Go right into it and uh, hear from Him now if that's okay with you Noah
1: uh, I would, <laughs> I would love nothing More
0: Well one and all I'm very pleased to say That at this point in the podcast Noah and I are joined by A very old friend from a college newspaper and from life, he is currently the weekend content coordinator at the Lincoln Journal-Star and the host of a tremendous radio show, Wednesdays at 11 p.m. on KZUM in Lincoln. That's 89.3 FM. That show is called Play That Funky Music, White Boys. He's truly one of a kind. Casey Welsh, welcome to the show, ma'am.
2: Good to be here. And call me Polar Bear.
0: Okay. I will. Um, so, Casey Polar Bear, take yes. us back Take us back to the... We're having you on as our resident expert on having worked in a big box store, which of course is our category for this week. When I've, been waiting, your, I've been waiting
2: for this moment my entire life.
0: <laughs> and when in your life did you actually do that work and paint a picture for us of how you got the job and...
2: It yeah. would have been my it would have been my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college. So we're looking at like two thousand six to two thousand eight era.
0: In Fairbury, Nebraska?
2: In Fairbury, Nebraska, yes. Uh actually interesting fun fact, the Fairbury Walmart is the first Walmart built in the state of Nebraska. Door number four hundred and fifteen.
0: Go blue. <laughs> don't check don't fact check that though. <laughs> um <laughs> so I mean, I think I would think it obvious then, like, teenagers need jobs. What brought you to work as a defroster at the uh, Walmart number 415?
2: Uh, what brought me there was the fact that I could work early, early in the morning. I worked in the bakery there. I showed up at 4 a.m. and I worked till 2 p.m. And then I got off work for an hour and then I went and worked at a restaurant in a kitchen all night. So it was really just uh, the most convenient to uh, pack in all those hours during the summer. I made like six grand in one summer for college.
1: Casey, where Um, was that money like when we would go out? What was that? (laughs) (laughs) Where was that money when like we would hang out?
2: Uh, I spent it all on school. On his
1: education, Noah.
2: Yeah, I spent, I I did, I spent it on school.
1: Casey, what was, what was it like to uh, work at a Walmart
2: well, I worked in the bakery, and I showed up two hours. We weren't a twenty-four hour Walmart, so you're we we one of the one of the po dunks. And uh, I showed up two hours before we opened, and would uh, defrost all the baked goods. It was called the bakery, but there was no real baking going on there at all. Uh, would show up there, defrost some loaves, put the loaves in bags, put the bags on shelves, and then clean the shelves day in and, and day what, out. What were your coworkers like? Six days a like? week.
0: Well, hold on, uh, hold on. I want to invite a, I want to invite a lawsuit here, really quick. No, did it, or Casey did it. Say anywhere that the bread was fresh.
2: Uh, on every bag, yes, and on every sign. <laughs>
1: That's what I thought. And <laughs> and actually, I mean, I feel and like it was fresh funny. Is like a relative term, though.
2: It was even my job to announce it on the intercom to the store whenever we had freshly reheated garlic bread. So fresh garlic That's bread in the bakery. Yeah, they liked my voice, so I could. Uh, they let me do the announcements.
1: Casey, what were your coworkers like?
2: Um, a bunch of miserable bastards. Uh, there was one lady. There was one lady who was kind of cool. She was from England. I don't know how she wound up in a, the Fairbury Walmart. I that's probably a terribly sad life story. But
1: yeah, fate was not kind to her. Uh,
2: there was a guy I swear who was homeless who just showed up every day and worked in the back. I don't even know if he got paid. Um, Then the managers were all, you know, the stereotypes are real.
0: Can you just tell us about, like, what it was like to, I mean, you you were a kid. I don't know when your wonderful analytic mind developed. Um, But, you know, I was thinking about watching these movies, like, so many of these like superstores are like designed so like you don't think about them. Like when you walk into them, like they're just there to give you like financial pleasure and give you convenient goods and give you like optical pleasure with all the bright colors and stuff. But when you're like right. in one day in and day out, like what do you start to make of that environment? It's got to feel like weird and sterile, right?
2: The yeah, the the bright bright white fluorescent light is kind of bleak after a while. Like just Yeah. You know, after a while, you know, you see something every day, so the colors stop popping out at you, and then everything takes on this terrible, ugly, gray dirge. It's really bad. Gave me headaches. That oh, and sounds... also, also also, the corporate radio stations that they got, you know, oh. playing the music while you shop. You know, they're really like on a two-day loop so just oh, hearing the, sa- the same songs at the same times at a regular interval over and over and over and over again. Now that ain't no fun.
0: Like, what are we talking about, former music critic? What were your main tortures?
2: I mean, it's, you know, it's your typical, it's, it's the, you know, the utmost in unoffensive rock music. Let's put it that way. Okay. Yacht rock, soft rock, dab gotcha. rock. And uh, occasionally they throw you a bone and slip in some like obscure '60s psychedelic act that you know doesn't explicitly talk about drugs, like Procol Harem or something.
0: So visually, then, you, you I mean you were describing the eeriness of the bright colors sort of like fading into bleach? Did you would you say that uh, one hour photo did a pretty good job of representing that?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, they did. That w- that was one soul crushing looking store.
0: Is a big box store a good place to even set a movie
2: um i mean it it takes a deft touch, I would say I mean because they are yeah. just these terribly boring tedious soul crushing you know boxes these temple mounts of consumerism, and you know you you've gotta you've gotta look at it with either a fair amount of satire i feel or just a fair or you know a a hefty dose of just bleak cynicism.
0: Okay, so the latter would be like one-hour photo.
2: Do either? Yeah.
0: Do, Employee of the month is not really satire, though, is it?
2: Um, I read some reviews of it while I was yeah uh, while I was preparing for this, and actually uh, the reason most people hated it is because it lacked satire.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense to me. Yeah. It also, uh, has Dane Cook in it.
2: It's weird. It, it doesn't, I don't think it really matters like how you are, who you are, what you are like outside of a big box store. Once you set foot in the big box store, your experience becomes so controlled that you basically just have to fall into, you know, one of these slots. And that will guide your trip around the store and, you know, what you're going to buy. It's, it's, it's such a choreographed routine anymore. You know, you know it's, yeah. it's like a whirlpool. You'll, you walk into a store. Which way do you always turn? You, t- you take a right. And then you go mm-hmm. counterclockwise around the entire store and you wind up on the cashier's counters, which are at the left. And they're designed that way because you're basically just, you know, walking a track.
1: Casey, did you find that th- these films were, um, were they representative of your experience of either working at or being after the fact a consumer at these stores?
2: Uh, in a large way, yes. Yes, actually. Because, you know, really? in the... Well, yeah. And the kind of, you know, in the kind of irreverent trying to be funny sort of screwball comedy that that uh, employee of the month was, I mean, they captured kind of the, you know, you're kind of forced into friendship with a lot of people. You know, when you're working for minimum wage, you're working all the time. So you're always at work. So you're just kind of forced to befriend the people that you are with work with closest to. And uh everything you every asset you have somehow revolves around that store where you work, so yeah, you are doing you know other things other than work in it after dark or whenever you can
0: hmm.
2: and then you know, in one uh, hour photo, it's just this just this bleak fake plastic thing, and that's also true in a way, and then in the Costco kind of way, that store actually seemed to run pretty all right until the end, that was
0: <laughs> yeah well, hot damn Casey Welsh. Thanks for doing this, man. Hey, anytime. Oh, always a pleasure to hear your
1: voice, buddy.
2: Is this show uh, still brought to you by Casey's Bathtub Gin?
1: Uh, you know it, buddy.
2: All right. I got a new line coming out. Uh, it's Casey's Bathtub Gin brand vodka. If you've ever like, wanted your mm. vodka to taste like bathtub gin, now's your chance.
0: Uh so no, where do you want to start with our discussions and then we'll hear from Casey at the end of each review of each movie.
1: Um What do you want to Hit it with uh hit it with a little one hour photo? I would love that. That's the uh first one I watched. It's got this movie's got all the great things. It's got albino Robin Williams. Yes it does. Um it's got Gary Cole in uh
0: reprising his role <laughs> from Office Space. Right, just Jackie or Bill Lumberg. So do you want to do the plot of this one, Chance? Sure thing. One Hour Photo uh, came out in 2002. It was the uh, writing and directorial debut of Mark Romanek. It is basically the dark, acid wash tale of how the photo developer, played by Robin Williams at the fictional store Save Mart, um, basically ramps up Stalking that's been going on for a long time Of uh, this family This very sort of picturesque uh, Upper middle class Suburban family that constantly Brings in photos to get developed Beautiful husband, beautiful wife Wonderful Nice son um, And you sort of slowly find out That uh, Robin Williams She's very creepy from the outset And it just his interactions with people and Who lives alone um, Has been Saving their photos, fantasizing about being in the family, is is at this point looking to get closer to them. You sort of assume he's in love with the wife, but uh, played by Connie Nielsen, but he himself is asexual. Um, it seems like. And before we get before we really go any further, I guess if I can lay this one on you now, the thing that I like about this movie structurally, I've talked before about Wesley Morris's thing about uh, thing from hell movies. Oh, guy is from sort of, Hell? Yeah, this movie is like an interesting reversal of that genre right. because. Well, it's in
1: inst- the, yeah, it's in like the same universe as an American Psycho with like this anti hero movie.
0: Right, but like, and like American Psycho, you are, instead of being with the victims and like slowly seeing how scary this can get, this is a movie that asks, what if you were with a person who might become a serial killer and you got to see just how close they would get? Which is part of what makes it so terrifying.
1: Someone seems sad. They don't have any friends. It
0: makes me feel bad for them. Who is that? and doesn't have any friends? Sorry. The photo guy had the one hour place? We really don't know that much
1: about him, you know? You've really not described... When you were describing the plot of the movie, you weren't really describing the plot of the movie. You were describing, like, the setup of the movie.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And I think, like, that is what the strength is of this movie, is that it's a character piece with Robin Williams, like, playing against type, doing this sort of, like, maybe sociopath, psychopath kind of thing. But ultimately, like, when you get over that and get past like the setup for the movie wouldn't you agree that like the plot of this movie is like pretty it it straddles the line for me between like basic and sort of nonsense
0: well yeah and you I mean artistic license comes into it in some ways because it's almost like you sort of start out and you're going sort of deeper into his mind and then the first scary things that happen are actually taking you further back into the past, what he has already done. Um, and then sort of the last half of the movie is moving forward into what will happen.
1: Well, I was just, I've seen this movie a couple of times and I had thought of this movie retroactively as like one of the better sort of quieter thrillers that I'd ever Mm -hmm. seen. And when rewatching it, this time, I just felt like I had a whole different sort of... As I looked at it analytically and like a, a be real guy... <coughs> excuse me. I found like the plot didn't make a lot of sense to me. What ends up happening in the movie, and this is not too much of a spoiler, is he's following this family and it's it, it turns out that the father is cheating on the mother. Mm-hmm. And they have a young boy. And... So his move is he, he finds out because the woman that Michael Vartan, the father, is having the affair with, drops off a photo. He develops the photo and sees that, oh, here's a photo of them together the, this woman who's not his wife, and then the husband, father from this family that he's been stalking for how long do we think it is?
0: Uh, I think we think five years. Five years. Right, isn't the kid kid just turns nine at the beginning? Right, of the movie, he has and pictures he's... of
1: like them. I just need pictures of them before the baby was even born.
0: This is true. Oh, okay, so like a decade.
1: That's insane. Anyway,
0: <laughs> explain to me the reason
1: he gets fired because sort of like the movie builds to. So you you take the first like uh, half hour of this movie that sets up what is happening. Like this crazy man has these photos. He's stalking this family, and the family they seem very pretty because they have very like nice, rich, beautiful looking life. But ultimately, like, the relationship of the mother and father is is at a breaking point, which lines up with him getting
0: fired. Yes. From Save he gets... Well, he gets fired because... Because he was um... stealing... Right, because he was stealing... Because, th- I mean, this is, like, one of the smaller twists in the movie, uh, which I, I don't think is too far towards spoiling it. But he has been taking a copy of every single photo this family has developed the last 10 years, and he hangs it on his wall. And because of his recent behavior in the store, like he's been getting a little testy with the engineer because Robin Williams is such a perfectionist about the quality of the photos. Right. Um, Because he'd gotten on the bad side of his manager, Gary Cole, uh, Gary Cole uh, started looking into like print inconsistencies and found out that there were just hundreds of missing prints and they're all from this one family.
1: If he'd been doing this over the course of 10 years and they he only covered that one wall with these photos, I don't think it would have been, like, the numbers he was talking about. So is the implication that he not only copies this family's photos but, like, a lot of other people's photos?
0: I don't think so. I don't think he takes You think a it's lot. just think the photos
1: takes... that are on the wall at the end?
0: Uh, yes. Because I just don't think – I
1: think it's a negligible amount of – things to notice which really like sort of troubled me considering how mm. how like it seems so insignificant if you okay. think about like so you've you stolen a 300 prints over the course of 10 years like that's that's three <laughs> that's like 30 prints a year
0: like that's nothing that's one roll. so zoom out a little bit you're saying that like things like that make the plotting feel not very tight to you well, it
1: just makes me feel like this guy's ultimate Sort of obsession with this family Is not Like what redeems him in the end Is not like what makes him a terribly interesting Character Is right. the idea that he really is like innocuous And hasn't done anything wrong Right, Like the right. movie would he... love you The movie is shot as though It's like he's going to do something Like kill someone But nobody dies yeah. in this movie
0: he is, it turns out that he, I mean, that's the, I mean, I don't know. I like that. That's the thing about being in his perspective. It's sort of like a, on the character study side, it's about being right with him when yeah. he pushes toward how much of a monster he can be. And then at the end, he kind of steps back. But if
1: you compare this movie to like a Nightcrawler, I felt like Nightcrawler was so good for me because it, it had that moment at the end where he's like, he doesn't give a fuck about that guy he's with. Like, He has his task and he will complete Mm -hmm. it And he has his goal and he will get there And it's like Robin Williams Never really has that moment of like I don't know Like I guess the point of it is like this guy Finally did something but what is his like Redeeming
0: It's not as thrilling as Nightcrawler I also don't think it quite tries To be right. Um, But I mean I also think this is where Sort of the let's talk about our genre Where like the more like Trenchant critique of of this sort of consumerism is And it's like the other movies do not attempt trenching, Any critiques of any kind um, Right. But so Robin Williams, Cy Parish, Is basically a guy who would be much better off If he were running his own small photo business Like the things he is fired for The things, the sort of like customer favors That small business owners like get to have and And you get the sense that Like when you think about the sort of people who who work at these stores. Like, one of the great ironies is that these stores want to be at the absolute center of American commercialism, and yet the people who work at them, we all know, if like we even if we right. don't want to admit it because it's kind of sad, are not the center of the American workforce. They're sort of like the sad outliers of the American workforce. And so he gets kind of lost, and he gets kind of bullied by this uh, store manager, Gary Cole, um, who just doesn't want to lose his job. But yeah, I think it's... I think unlike Nightcrawler, it's sort of like this guy who is like using abusing his power in a in a system that is kind of abused him into meekness and then it kind of abuses him into craziness at the end. Like, I don't know. I just don't think it's that kind of thriller exactly. I, I just can't get past like how it's the movie sort of mounts
1: his being pathetic into like a thriller tone. You mm-hmm. know, like, I wonder – and then my problem with the plot is that it never really had that redemptive moment or that moment where he, like, finally does something to even, like, even how fucked up it is to complete his goal. But that's that's the thing, too, that sort of, like, is off-putting and ultimately, like, I think a neat trick about this movie is that it's shot like – I mean, it's yeah, it's a character sketch that's, sh- that's shot like a thriller. Yeah. But it's not a terribly, I think, like – Bold, as bold as it likes to think it is Or mm. as, as thrilling And I think like some of the Moments where it like Needs to be a thriller like the whole Eric LaSalle Character like framing yeah. The movie as the cop being like why did You do this and then they sort of look off into the Clouds and then they like, go back into this story
0: uh, Let's talk about some other Stuff away from the plot before we uh, Come back around and rate it uh, Ron Williams is unbelievable in this movie Oh like, he, yeah I, I mean, my theory on... I mean, he is not just a comedian doing a dark role, because we've also seen him do many, like, standard, wonderful, kind-hearted, dramatic roles, but the thing that makes him so good in this movie, and you can see the seeds of it in Insomnia, too... Ron Williams can imagine what someone attempting to be normal and like not quite succeeding is mm. like. Like the moments where like the rendering of a standard face is behind like what the mind is trying to do. Yeah. Um and sort of the empathy he comes up with makes him even creepier. Same thing in Insomnia.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a good thing you brought up Insomnia, because I feel like this movie, while it is an incredible, Same here, right? Yeah. While it is yeah. an incredible Performance by Robin Williams I just feel like he's not in the script Given the depth of insomnia Like I would say insomnia was his finest Dramatic role mm. I, I just feel like this, the, the character While played by a fine actor Is not a very well drawn one
0: uh, I don't know I mean I In an experimental sense, I think it's really good. I mean, like you have this guy who is like resentful of all the normal people in his life, but attempts like a personal beauty for this family and you get to watch how he can't do it. The noise that he makes, like he's just been this guy who like speaks in like a little bit of a high Like a little higher than Robin Williams' normal voice. Yeah. The noise that he makes when Gary Cole fires him is like what happens when like a rabbit gets stabbed and it's dying. Like it's there are like terrifying moments to this performance too. Right. I don't know what I'm saying is
1: like he begins as sort of like a further down the line never married like Walter White almost. And then the movie mm-hmm. wants you to have like this. Oh, but the movie never has that moment where he like kicks the kids in the legs at the clothing store when they're making fun of his disabled son. Like he never has that mm. moment of like, oh shit, like this guy. I don't know. So it, it became hard for me to like root for him and the performance and sort of like, I don't well, know. I don't know if you're
0: supposed to root, like pity, I think. But he's the protagonist of the film. Like you inherently have
1: to sort of get behind like what he's doing. And I felt like upon maybe third or fourth watch of this, like I really like wasn't.
0: I mean, how on earth are you supposed to get behind what he's doing? But that's the thing. I mean, like, even I, I even just think it's a weird.
1: Psycho or Walter White, or whoever it is, is an antihero. Like you still kind of root for them to get what they want.
0: I think you're just looking at it in a very, like, traditional way. At no point am I rooting for Patrick Bateman. Like, that's that movie is, like, a weird, like, kind of absurdist art piece. And I think that, like, this one sort of is, too. And, like, Walter White is, like, more of, like, a mob boss antihero arc. Like, I just think these are different things. Um, I, I
1: don't agree. I think if you do these character sketches... Wait, well, they're like these these buildings, Roman, you you like, you, they have to get to something. They have to go on a, on a journey to.
0: What do you? I mean, what are you arguing then that this movie is?
1: I'm arguing that this movie is like a very stylish, film with a really good actor giving a really good performance. But ultimately, you have fallen for someone shining a light in your face, chance, and I think this movie, is
0: bad, bad. I completely disagree. I think it's good, good. I think it is like a thriller with a lot of like interesting, like unexpected scenes along the way. That's like more artistic and more avant-garde than you're giving it credit for. And I, I think I, you,
1: that you, that's true. I'm not giving <laughs> it credit credit for any of that.
0: And I think that the tension it produces in some like very interesting. Scenes are It's one good actor And then four other not good actors Gary Cole's great actor
1: Play out What is a very sort of random Series of Events that don't really add up to much
0: but if it just added up to night, I mean, the thing about Nightcrawler is they're like, you just know what's going to happen. And it's like, wow, he really doesn't give a fuck. You're right. But then it's just like, you knew that was going to happen. Night, Nightcrawler has no curveball for you. And I'd rather watch something that is like picking pieces of the genre and like assembling them in a weird way. Let's get Casey's quick review of One Hour
2: Photo. Uh, one Hour Photo. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. I'd I'd only I'd never seen it before today, and you know before a few hours ago actually. So I'm still kind of processing it in a way because there was a, for as bleak and minimal as it is, there's a lot to take in there. And yeah. uh, I you know I definitely got like I got a real taxi driver vibe the whole time I was watching it.
0: I like that. Anybody else? Good call. Uh, I mean, yeah, you, yeah no, I you, you've really got, like that Comparison.
2: <laughs> yeah, you've got your you know you've got your just truly lonely loner protagonist who's you know somehow mentally unstable uh work putting all everything they got into this you know job that they may or may not enjoy for very little money just to give them something to do with their loneliness and uh you've got them kind of you know flying off the handle by the time it ends and you know either heroic or as the case may be just really scary ways
1: so how would you Um, rate this bad boy casey
2: um, well I got to say I liked it a lot. And uh, another similarity to Taxi Driver is the fact that, you know, you take this very familiar faced big name actor and you give him weird hair and you can't recognize him anymore.
0: <laughs> yes. On a very superficial level, that's totally true. So would yeah. you call it good good?
2: Uh, I would call this movie uh, on a technical standpoint it was great. It was it 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 looked good. It was shot well, the storyline flowed great. The tech is definitely a good And, but I mean, you know, the second one's entertainment value, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know how entertained I was so much as disturbed. So can I change it to a, can I change it to a disturbment value?
0: (laughs) Sure. Would you watch it again, I guess is the question.
2: Well, if it's, if it's technical, technical merit and disturbment, then it was good grade.
0: I've been doing mini lab work for over 20 years now. I consider it an important job.
2: Hi, Mrs. Yorkin. Can I get that address again? Yes, it's
0: 326. 326, Serrano Terrace. Let's get to another movie with horrible 2000s haircuts. 2006's Employee of the Month. Starring Dane Cook. Um, and Dax Shepard and Jessica Simpson. Noah, do you want to take a run at this one? Um. So...
1: We zoom in on uh, like a Costco-like store, uh, yeah. where Dax Shepard is like the the he is at the beginning of the film the titular employee of the month. Uh, he's won it 17 months in a row or 18 months in a row, and if he hits the next threshold, he like wins this car or something. Jessica Simpson takes a job at the super club as a cashier and basically because Dane cook, I mean, the movie to tries to dance around this, but basically the setup of the movie is because he wants to sleep with her.
0: Right. He then just dis- noted Thesbian and Jessica Simpson.
1: Yeah. And, um, so he like finds her personnel file. <laughs> and the personnel file says like her sexual turn-ons include <laughs> the guy being employee of the month. <laughs> Uh. So Dane Cook sets his eyes on the prize Which is winning that month's employee of the month So he can have sex with Jessica Simpson
2: Right,
1: And then the movie unfolds from there
2: Underachiever You're the lowest of the low
1: Yeah, love the lowest of the low
2: Decides to step up
1: I think she has a thing for the employee of the month I'll win employee of the month
0: Can we dive right in? This
1: caught so many people at, like, very weird points of their careers.
0: But go very on. Very weird. But go very on. Very weird. Um, okay, so let's just talk. I mean, this movie is not good. It was never going to be good. Um, in fact, it's very bad. But, like, let's just, yes, let's dig into the ways in which, like, there's no way this was going to work. So, in terms of talking about people's careers and where they were at, 2006 was... As Dane Cook says in his uh, cameo on Louie that one time, it was truly like an, a year on the level of like Eddie Murphy in 1984. Like he broke the record for like best selling comedy album, did Vicious Circle. Like he was a megastar and this was like his foyer into like starring roles in movies. But it does not work because you cannot do a vehicle into movies that runs out. Absolutely counter to your Onstage persona so that was never Gonna happen would you agree
1: Yeah that's the thing like it didn't let Dane Cook like be Dane Cook I mean the
0: least it could Have done was that
1: right But it like it's not terribly Interested in Like him I don't know like doing anything Like he's just sort of an average guy With like a pretty average life like doing Pretty average
0: things and, and he's so nice, and you don't believe when you watch him that Dane Cook believes in this material. If think Dane Cook should be playing the Dax Shepherd role.
1: Exactly. And that's why he's so good in waiting. Did you see that?
0: Yeah, I was watching some YouTube clips, uh, like, an hour ago. It's, it's, it's really- Such an asshole.
1: But it's funny, because, like, that's his persona, is, like, this dick. Yes. And that's and that's sort of what they try to break him out of in this, but like they don't, because then like his motivations don't make any sense, right? And he's just not
0: like he's not a character, right? But he does he doesn't do anything else. He's just like this. He's like the cool guy at the store. Well, he's just kind of skating it's by. Like, his his
1: setup is he was once like an internet entrepreneur (laughs) and he like lost his family some money specifically his grandmother he lost her retirement or something and he felt so bad about it he decided to be really cool for the rest of his life
0: yeah and you know what of course like of course jessica simpson is very bad she sounds like one of the aliens from toy story when she speaks um but also (laughs) you know what i'm not here to like Even though I just said that, I'm not here to slam on Jessica Simpson because, like, she doesn't have anything to do in this movie. She's just a sexual pawn for these two, like, people to have this weird competition over. A competition that, in the last hour of the movie, doesn't even make sense because she's not, like, remotely attracted to Dak Shepard. Like, the competition was over at minute 45 when Dane Cook got to be, like, the normal guy.
1: Well, ultimately, it's not about him beating... uh... Dax Shepard it's ultimately about him Getting over something I'm not sure what it is but right. It's not winning the competition because the movie Doesn't they were going to get back together even If he didn't win at the end Yes but, but we
0: Still have to watch right but The whole like setup for
1: the movie is just I mean it's it's nonsense Like yeah Costco doesn't like Shut down early on a Day to like <laughs> have an elaborate Gala with all of its employees <laughs> it like it it feels lucky if everyone shows up every day to like the actual place yeah it's the i mean mm-hmm. compare this to uh the store portrayed in one hour photo yeah i don't think one hour photo they had a uh, a clubhouse in aisle seven where the guy from rocket man is hanging out <laughs>
0: Harlan Williams. No, I don't. I don't believe so.
1: Well, it's funny Um, because this is Dane Cook's Rocket Man.
0: This movie had no hope because of just the talent in the movie. Dax Shepard cannot. Yeah, Dax Shepard needs to be like your ninth or tenth player off the bench. Like he cannot be (laughs) your starting center. That's
1: true. Well, but he's the only one attempting a performance. Right. Whereas. Jessica Simpson's trying to remember her lines, and... Um, right.
0: And Dane Cook Jane just, Cook's just happy to be so there. cute that he gets to do this.
1: But I think it's oh, funny... And I, keep going.
0: I hated the editing in this movie so much. Oh, the, like, this is... I am not the kind of person... Who will ever notice the middle 80% of film editing? I don't know enough visually to notice it. But if it's top 10%, and I think it's cool, or if it's bottom 10%, and you can see like bad cuts where like the camera didn't know where the joke was, or like wanted to go to Dane Cook's face again for <laughs> well, an extra mug. That's like, the it's funny bad. thing
1: about. I didn't understand why Dax Shepard ultimately loses the competition until, like, the fourth time they showed <laughs> that what he did. I was like, I don't get it. Like, oh, because he's not scanning it, but you haven't made that visual cue clear. Because literally, the action is happening behind this guy's back. Right. Yeah. No. That's that's a good, that's a smart. This movie like is, does not have a lot of talent on either side of the camera.
0: No. And I mean, and the humor. When you say the humor is Van Wilder-esque Might not be quite as depraved It's
1: it's not quite as depraved as Van Wilder But it's it's getting there I think there's only like two fucks in the whole movie though
0: that's true, but, like, okay, just, like, let's PG think... 13 think ab-
1: for the Midwest at worst, I think.
0: Think about who's, like, who we're laughing at. Like, whose expense we're laughing at.
1: Women and black people, mostly, like... People with mental disabilities. Oh, I mean, Van Wilder and its politics. Well, I wanted to talk about, the like, the politics of this movie for just, like, a second. Like, what this movie sure. posits about the world... Yeah. ...is that, like, what is the, like, education level of, like, these people we're supposed to be and like also like the poverty level that yeah. we're supposed to believe in like this guy who can't get a new prescription for his glasses because like i mean his his prescription is so bad and his probably his funds are so limited that he just wears glasses that don't actually help him and yeah. then a guy who his whole family life is threatened when he gets laid off from what is seemingly his part-time job mhm um it seems that Rocket Man has no home. He might just live up in that clubhouse. Yeah. And, like, it Jessica just... Simpson is, like, a normal sort of person, but the fact is she's stupid and, like, has just sort of resolved to, like, this is her life.
0: So would you say, with those things noted, that it's, like, almost borderline irresponsible not to sink its teeth into a criticism of the store a little bit? But it really doesn't. No, it does not do that. That's, I know. The, the, but shouldn't it?
1: The, the funny thing about this movie is that when people get into trouble, people are rewarded for not breaking the rules. Like, the whole point is to be the best employee of this store. It's showing him finally subscribe to social values that ultimately is his salvation and gets the girl. Because that's what the, ultimately the big box store represents in these movies is, you know, the system. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that that's – is that not the reason for these movies to exist, to present you with – well, both like a a convenient narrative sort of devices of having everything at hand to create hijinks. Totally. To have the knife there, but in addition to where like a photo lab is, but he has access to this knife and whatever. And then in this one, the clubhouse – or sort of like the – he literally – they literally set up an obstacle course at the end Mm -hmm. using the stuff so that they they can play with that they've purchased for the the filming of this film.
2: I realize that you don't care about your job, but I do. And I want to thank you for caring about my job, really. My job, jerk off. You know, it's funny. For the past 10 years, I've been climbing the Super Club food chain, Mm. as planned. But you, you haven't moved at all.
1: And then dare we ask what you thought of uh, Employee of the Month?
2: Uh, I pretty much fell asleep
0: good (laughs) work that's all fair enough
2: it was it's just it's so flat it's so boring it's so cliche it's so just formulaic and been done a hundred thousand times before by ensembles a lot funnier than whoever they could put together for this turd and then jessica simpson adds you know just nothing at all nothing at all she never has she never will and she doesn't hear
1: is that a bad, bad from you, Casey?
2: Uh, technically, it was shot pretty well. It was bright. It was professionally done. Someone I'm going to give it a good, bad.
0: You're going to give it a good, <laughs> bad? I love it. Oh,
1: uh, God. Like, it strives to be bad, good. But I think, Chance, it might be bad, bad. It might be? No, I mean, it's definitely bad, bad. It's definitely bad,
0: bad. <laughs> But yeah. it wants so hard um, to
1: be bad good. And I respect it, it for
0: that. Let's move to 2012's The Watch. Um, a movie that I think is worse in much stranger ways. Or not worse, but bad in much stranger ways. Um, <laughs> oh, that's funny. This movie came out in 2012 and i mean i re- i remember like the ads were nonstop. like even if you didn't see it you probably remember the ads i hadn't thought about this movie in four years but the, yeah. every joke that was in the movie i remembered from commercials
1: that richard ayawade thing about the this is my like this is my vision like i'm playing yeah. with this fantasy or whatever it is like that I would was also like,
0: like that to happen to uh, me too right, right, right. Was,
1: with the, re- the call and response yeah
0: yep Sorry, mom. I was trying to be a big man. These are just—I could not believe I remember <laughs> these stupid things despite having never seen this movie. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Hearing wait, you say that is so good. Thank you. Um, so, this is a movie about um, so a, a very Id-
1: a sterile Costco manager. <laughs> Yeah. Decides after the murder of his recent American, re- recently uh, naturalized security guard, again with yeah. the uh, the sort of dim security guard type yes. there, gets uh, basically he gets his skin removed one evening, murdered, and his, his body is removed, separated from the skin around it. Um, and this sterile Costco manager decides to make a presentation at a local football game and say, we're putting a neighborhood watch together to figure out the murder of my friend and subordinate uh, who just became yeah. an American citizen because that's very patriotic in this very, like, you know, employee of the month little town
0: where... Yeah, Glenview, Ohio. Glenview, it's supposed Ohio. supposed to be the most idyllic town in the world or something. Yeah. Um, And And the people who who come to uh, Who respond are uh, Vince Vaughn who's sort of like Doing his Vince vaughn Doing his Vince Vaughn thing Uh, John Hill who was Like rejected who was like a Wannabe military guy who was rejected From the police force because he was too uh, extreme
1: He's the side parish in this one
0: Yes he is And uh, uh, Richard Iwana Who just shows up and you're like Hey why did he show up and then the movie Like That's supposed to be a twist, but it's not because it's stupid.
1: Um. You're going into this movie with a lot of hate and chance. I got to say that like six months ago, I would have agreed with you, but I'm going to try to make a case for this movie.
0: Oh, well, but okay, but so we can say what the thing is, right? They're, then they end up fighting aliens. Form a neighborhood watch, and they end oh, yeah, up fighting what, aliens.
1: Well, what happened was, well, that's the thing about it too: is not only are there the aliens that's sort of like the linking matter throughout the narrative, but they also find out about like some other like very strange things going on in the neighborhood. Yeah, which I think ultimately like adds some depth to this like pretty simple setup movie.
0: No, they do not. Uh, but let's let's get into it. Every day, I
1: ask, "What can I do for Glenview?" That's why I founded the Running Club, the Spanish Table at the Community Center, and
2: the Neighborhood Watch.
0: Okay, well, let me start with this. So, like, if you read the production story of this movie, it was written like four years prior, and it was intended as like a PG thirteen sort of Ghostbusters style comedy. Aimed at teenagers And was gradually like reworked And rejected and reworked And taken on by uh, Rogan and Goldberg um, To do to do the production And then um, Akiva from Lonely Island Ended up uh, directing a thing um, But it was... You get the feeling that its journey to existing And then after it was released They had to change all the marketing Because of Trayvon Martin And the connoti- irresponsible like connotations of Neighborhood Watch Which we can question whether those are in here Or whether that was just like a resonance They didn't want to touch on um, But I think it was s- This movie feels surprisingly blank to me Like it starts out with With Stiller and Vaughn, their characters are, like, kind of not... Like, when when The Neighborhood Watch is assembling, it feels to me like it is a sketch. Like, a sketch comedy. Like, the lack of tone is so... Strange like the assembly Is like not normal And so what ends up happening is Ben Stiller Is kind of like this sad guy who doesn't Have a comedic thing a comedic Role and Vince (laughs) Vaughn this is I think One of the worst like Vince Vaughn Character writings and so you're sort of Dependent on people like Will Forte To come in and be like I don't care What the tone of whatever was just happening I'm here to do my Will Forte thing (laughs) Um, and then, like Billy Crudup, can also kind of wrangle the tone because he's such a goddamn weirdo. But don't you feel like this movie, like, didn't started from a weird place?
1: Um, well, you have to go in knowing two things about my viewing of this film. Mm-hmm. One, <laughs> one I've seen this movie before. Okay. And two, I watched. <laughs> On the FX app, the, like, edited-for-TV version. What? That, that, like, dubbed over most of the, cur- like, all the cursing. <laughs>
0: okay. Which
1: was just, like, I think, like, added a lot to my enjoyment. And I went in wanting to, knew it, knowing this movie was, like, bad, and thinking yeah. of, like, well, could it be, like, culty bad? You know, like, I consider, like, a uh, superstar, like, the ladies' man, or you know, like any of these other like nineties sort of vehicle for SNL and then early two thousands vehicles for people. I feel like it fell into that camp for me. And then ultimately it's a collection of just like real weirdos. Like it's sort of a, a later Vince Vaughn just sort of like hanging on for dear life for dear life. And then you have like (laughs) Jonah Hill who clearly like shot this between like serious stuff. And then, like Ben Stiller going through some sort of like mental crisis where he can't figure out if he's, uh, you know, that fucking, what was that movie? Walter Mitty? Or if he's like, should really just fully commit to uh, those fucking museum movies. Yeah. Yeah. Or that kind of stuff, but just like silly family movies or like teenager movies. And then Richard Iwata, who's from the IT crowd. And yeah. he's, like, directed some funny uh, indie movies There was enough star power on there For me that it presented, like, interesting scenes Of the characters, you are know, the actors you know and love Playing these, like, roles that were clearly written Exactly for them Because they didn't want I... them to go outside the box at all And then they're just playing with it They're having a good time They're, they're, they're loving every minute with this damn crew
0: don't you dare try to make me happy with that? i th- I think you're th- I think that's to I totally disagree. I think these are roles that were like not written for them and then like rewritten and rewritten. And eventually they were just able to bring on like this level of star power. But the problem with the Vaughn and Stiller characters is like they want to have like normal people in the middle of this movie that is like otherwise in like kind of insane. I, I do think it's interesting, though that that you watched it, um. With the cable censorship Because the problem One of the big problems with this movie Is that it takes its action And it's sort of like That sort of homoerotic thing That like is, you know Post-Apatow Is like supposed to be such a joke But it fails to get absurd with it Like if this movie came out one year before This is the end And like this is the end Just like destroys This movie because like this is the end Like understood that like Those guys like (laughs) love Of dick jokes is like Something that is like (laughs) Like it's made to be like Demonic and in this movie It's kind of just like a stupid Like what if we shoot the aliens in the dick Like that's just like really Dumb and it's kind of like halfway Between like broad comedy And like that absurd Rogan Apatow thing and it just like flatly, flatly dies. And for all the star power, <laughs> did you notice that the guns don't sound like guns? At one point, Stiller and Vaughn are talking at what is clearly dawn, and they go back to the house, and it's the middle of the night again. No, I didn't Billy Crudup, that. Billy Crudup invites them to his orgy, but never says when it is. Like they're the like this movie is a mess of like mishandlings.
1: <laughs> if I may, throw in. A uh, review quote just to sort of maybe drive a point home. <laughs> Let me find it here. Uh, Time Out says This is a film packaged as pure product, aiming to snare the combined markets for loudmouth comics, sci fi action, and er, Richard Ayawade, who, however seemingly misplaced, is the freshest thing here. Two out of five, and I would agree with that review.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm
1: not saying that this is a good movie, Chance. I'm saying you're saying, this saying it's is, bad good.: This is a watchable movie. OK. And I would say, on a second watch, I remember I hated this movie the first time I saw it, because I, I was expecting the ambition of this is the end, but going in knowing that this movie is not good, I enjoyed yeah. it., so bad good for me.
0: While I will acknowledge that the pedigree, pedigree and the talent came up with some funny bits, like when Vince Vaughn walks into his daughter's room and says, "Who's your boy toy? What's his toy story?) <laughs> i really liked lines like that um i mean they came up with some stuff the jonah hill like
1: vince vaughn relationship by the end of the movie just referring to each other as my guy (laughs) (laughs) that's like the plot hangs on that too like he has to go with him like why and he just says well he's my guy
0: i just think that it's such a sour mix of things. It's like people from the last, the prior generation of comedy who like need character details to work. And then people from the new other gen, like the, the generation after, Jonah Hill and Will Forte, who like just come flying in with improv and like wrestle away control. Um But yeah, I just don't. <sighs> The action's just not any good, and I just hate the straight-out-of-Compton music cue, and I just didn't understand why there was, like, the thing... Like, the weird thing that seemed jammed in afterward about, like, Ben Stiller's, like, desire to get diversity in the town. Like, why not just, like, cast some black people instead? Like, there's no need to, like, actually try to capture... But it's like, this movie is, ultimately, is it's like... It's not skewering a suburban environment, if that's no, what you're I about to think say. No, I do I think it's skewering... Movies like
1: this, you know, movies about, like, simple, like, simple folk and what Hollywood wants to see, like, simple Midwestern folk, like, do in a sci-fi premise. You know, like, mm-hmm. this movie is like a, pa- I mean, I I don't think it succeeds. I mean, I think this is ambitious at best, but I think maybe its original intention was to skewer things like eight, or what is it called? Um, Super eight. Super eight.
0: Oh, okay. Well, you know, maybe like you the next time I watch it. I will enjoy it more. Yeah, but but this is a universally hated film. Like, this is a 17%
1: on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: It's going to be a bad, bad for me, (laughs) if you couldn't
1: guess. (laughs) After that short sort of breaking of the ice portion of the I'm sorry to be the squeaky wheel, but wouldn't it be more fun to actually break ice into little cubes and then pour some scotch over them?
2: I thought this movie, I'd never even heard of this movie, Uh, and then I was reading about it while I was, yeah, I'd never even heard of it, and then I was reading about it while I was watching it, and... That is an interesting story, doesn't it? But uh, I thought it was absolutely one of the stupidest things I have ever seen in my life, <laughs> and I loved every uh, I loved every minute of it.
1: So is it a bad good for like you, bad Casey?
2: Good. Uh, no, I'm not even going to say that. Uh, because I was actually really impressed by the amount of like aliens they were able to have on screen at any given time, and how they weren't you know terribly <laughs> cheesy. You know, those those aliens were honestly like kind of terrifying.
1: Are you saying soft, good, good, Casey?
2: Um, I mean, if you are talking technical merit, then casting is a part of that. And I love anything that has Richard Ayawade in it. So I'm going to give it a good, good. I was thoroughly entertained by that film.
1: There is an alien invasion happening. Honey, just let the police handle it. Any one of these people could be an alien. Uh. This has been such a pleasure, Chance. It's always terrific to hear your voice. Chance! Can I ask you something? Yes, of course. Can I do some of the end credits too? Yeah, man. I'm gonna Have do. At it. I'm gonna do the ones I remember, and then you can okay. do the other ones. Okay. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Be Real Guys. Uh, real spelled like a film reel. Uh, we can be contacted. Uh, you know, on text message, too, because you probably all have our cell phone numbers uh, <laughs> if you'd like to see something reviewed. Right. Uh, we're also at berealguys at gmail.com. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, which I don't know what that is. Um, yeah. iTunes, the, the podcast thing, the little purple one, you, like, just press on it, and you just, if you type in, at least mine does this, B-E space R-E, we the first thing that comes up. Holy hell! So we are. That's, a, that's an, a win for attrition. We have we have reached the top. We have reached the the summit. Chance, Chance is our technical producer. I am our uh-huh. mascot at best. Michael Todd <laughs> puts stuff up on the internet in a glorious way, and thank you for that, Michael Todd. Uh, Chance, a pleasure as always to talk to you. Did I miss anything? I think you did great. You building the birdhouse over there? I'm gonna probably continue the third disc of uh, Dawson's Creek
0: <laughs> oh my god bye buddy see ya cause I went to the store.